Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. to the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. I am your host, Carmen LaBerge. Um, I, I don't want us to lose track of other things happening around the world, even though today we are pretty intensely focused on last night's State of the Union address by the President of the United States. Um, there are developments in the coronavirus spread around the world. There is now a cruise ship with 3,000 passengers quarantined uh, off the coast of Japan. Ten people aboard the Japanese cruise liner, uh, also affiliated with Carnival, have tested positive for coronavirus. And all 3,000 passengers are now uh, quarantined aboard the ship. And so that is one of those situations and circumstances that um, that nobody um, wants to uh, imagine or certainly be a part of. So let's be let's be praying the news on that particular front. The coronavirus um, continues to spread and um, uh, at this point, unmitigated. And so we want to be lifting up those families who uh, have lost loved ones. That that number globally now uh, very close to 500. We've got confirmed cases in excess of 25,000 um, and nearly 200,000 people under medical observation. Um, and so just uh, we're talking about something that we cannot allow to sort of fall out of our uh, our attention um, just because the numbers here in the United States are not what they are around the world. That's just not the way to um, to pay attention to a pandemic. So there you go. We're going to pray the news on the coronavirus front and sort of not lose track of that. Lots of talk last night in the State of the Union address about the economy. Um, but again, even in relationship to the article on the economic indicators in the president's State of the Union address, the image the image that the USA Today chose to run this morning, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi tearing up the speech right behind the president's back as his speech came to an end. And that picture speaks a thousand words. And so let's not lose track of the optics of what happened last night and what uh, what is going on between our very uh, partisan political parties right now. So uh, a few very positive economic indicators. And, and, and maybe I'll say this. For most of us, for most of us, politics is about economics. When it comes right down to it, how we feel about our home economics is the primary driver of how we vote. When it comes right down to it, for most of us, the primary driver for how we vote is how we feel about our personal and home economics. Um, If healthcare is too expensive and is driving us into bankruptcy, we do not feel good about the political situation related to health care. Um, if the cost of education is so high that we cannot uh, send our kids to the schools of our choice, we do not feel good about the political situation related to education. Uh, and so on and on and on. When we talk about economic indicators, uh, the ones that are closest to home, our home economics is really what drives the vote. 
So President Trump says since his election, we've created 7 million new jobs. Important here to note that the president is accurate that since his election, uh, 7 million new jobs have been created. Um, But he's counting there and he's using the word election. uh, That's important. It's important distinction here because it's not 7 million new jobs since he became um, the president of the United States since his inauguration. You have to go back to his election in order to capture that full number. The unemployment rate is at a 50-year low, 3.5%. Another way of looking at that is the employment rate is at a 50-year high. Household wealth, the president said last night, since my election, uh, the net worth of the bottom half of wage earners has increased by 47%, three times faster than the increase for the top 1%, again, um, since his election. And so let's just let's just recognize that the bump in the economy has been uh, most significantly for those in the bottom half of wage earners. And that is a really significant statistic. It still, it still doesn't mean that the wage gap is closing um, with any speed, but it is important to note that the president is concerned um, about economic growth for everyone, not just for the, you know, the top 1%. On the issue of wages, uh, President Trump said after decades of flat and falling incomes, wages are rising. And wonderfully, they're rising fastest for low-income workers who have seen a 16% pay increase since my election. Again, focusing there on the date of the election um, as, the, as the timeline with which he's working. Uh, He also said real median household income is now the highest level ever recorded. Now, some of that, when we hear that language, um, we are not really exactly sure um, what some of those words mean. You know, what is inflation adjusted median household income um, and why does it matter? Well, it matters because people generally vote based on their economic outlook, how they feel about the economics of their own home. So next up, Bill English and I, Bill is with, uh, you can find him at BibleandBusiness.com. He and I are going to talk about economic indicators. Where it, it's, it's, So it's like, for those of us who read these words or hear these words, and we're not totally 100% sure what we're talking about, uh, Bill and I are going to talk about um, some of the big economic indicators. And when we hear those terms, what we ought to be, the, the images and Uh, and understanding that ought to be coming to our minds. All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. Okay. Economic <clears throat> indicators and how to interpret them. Yes. Um, so we have talked before about the bond yield curve inversion, but I've slept since then, so I don't remember why we talked about it or why the bond market even matters. So when we start talking about big economic indicators, what are we talking about? What's the scope of the conversation? And sort of why should the average person care? Well, the average person should care because the leading indicators tell us kind of where the economy is going to go. Some of them actually uh, tell us where the economy is right now. Those indicators are called, uh, let me get down to the bottom of the sheet here. Uh, 
those are called coincident indicators. Then there's lagging indicators, which tell us where the economy has been. So you have uh, economic uh, leading indicators that say this is the direction that, that the economy is going. If you know how to look at them, you can tweak your personal finances a little bit uh, to help you get ready for what's coming in the future. Okay. So tell us what you're seeing in these leading indicators right now. What I'm seeing in the leading indicators is that the economy is going to remain strong probably for another 12 months. Now, having said that, <clears throat> in most um, in most presidential election years, uh, if there's going to be a recession, they usually start in the presidential election year. And usually the six months before the election, the economy becomes a little bit slow or unstable. Um, but assuming that uh, the strength of our economy can kind of overcome that here in 2020, it should be a good ride into 2021. I've been saying all along for a long time that at some point we're going to have a recession. It's just cyclical. It's going to happen. I don't know what the, the drivers will be. But at the same time, in the short term, I think we're going to do okay economically. Okay. And then let's look specifically at this bond market. Um, remind us what the bond market is. And then when you when you see this yield curve inversion, what does that tell you? Well, the yield curve inversion tells me that the bond market um, is probably actually going to do better than the stock market. Now, there are going to be some who disagree with me on that, but um, <clears throat> excuse me. My voice is a little raspy this morning, and I'm, I'm having a hard time getting it all out. All right. The, well, we can we could take our little break right now, and you could get a sip of water and um, or hot tea. I find that to be very effective. Uh, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com, and we'll be right back. When I'm Carmen LeBurge. I'm continuing my conversation with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com and fearing that um, you may glaze over and uh, and drive off the road if he delivers the line that he shared with me off air uh, about the bond yield curve inversion. And we're going to move on. Uh, what are the other top economic indicators that we gonna... should be... Oh, I just, we're not even going there. We're not it's, going uh, there? Okay. No, I, I, people will fall asleep. Okay, so what... What are the other economic indicators that people should be watching and why? You know, there's five indicators, and let me just go over uh, them. First of all, the interest rates. I think this is the most important factor for the average person to follow. Falling and low interest rates make it easier to borrow money, right? And you can generally borrow a little bit more than what you could if the interest rates are higher. So money is cheap. And when people borrow uh, to buy things like cars and washing machines and other things, the uh, economy improves. Um, the thing to use uh, in terms of low interest rates as they go lower, uh, you try to refinance some of your um, assets uh, to a lower interest rate that will save you some money and probably, ten, if it's your house, tens of thousands of dollars over the long haul. Kathy and I just refinanced our house last month, and we, uh, uh, between a series of events that, that occurred, we lowered our interest rate by over 2%. That's huge right, over the life of the mortgage. And so that's that's something for you to look at. By the way, as a corollary, once they start to go up, and they will go up at some point, once they start to go up, that means the government has to pay more money for all this $22 trillion that we have borrowed. 
And that's going to be a real political nightmare uh, if interest rates were to go from, say, 3.5% to 6.5%. Uh, that's that's hundreds of millions of dollars of additional interest that the government would have to pay. Somebody's got to write that check. I don't know who's going to do that. So the what we owe to other countries for our debt, the interest rates we pay on that are still dependent on our own economy. Yes. Isn't that kind of curious? Yeah, because they buy they buy treasuries at a certain interest rate. So treasuries are, are, are debt instruments that, that the treasury sells, and maybe China comes in and buys a bunch of them, but they buy them at a, at a predetermined interest rate. So, uh, and, and it's either interest added to the principal or it's a discounted principal that we pay the full principal at the end. Uh, it acts a lot like the bond market. So uh, let's say that you go in and, and you buy a treasury for uh, $100, and the treasury says in 10 years we're going to give you $120 back. Well, then that interest rate's already predetermined. But as our interest rates go up, the treasury interest rates go up, Right. And so now when you go in and, and, and you want to buy a $100 treasury, maybe they're going to say, you know, we're going to give you $130, $140 back. And so there's there's more money in there. So I just recently got together with um, my girl cousins on my dad's side of the family. And there are a bunch of us. And, you know, now we're all old. But we had uh, one of the things that we talked about was, you know, sort of things that we remembered when we were kids. And uh, and one of the legacies of our grandparents on that side is that they used to give us bonds for Christmas. Yeah. 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 And so there was a conversation among all of us is what did you do with your bonds? And that was really great. Like I have one cousin who she used her um, her bonds to buy her books her sophomore year of college. Okay. So I'm just saying like, you know, there's there's a it 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 is kind of cool that there is a way um, to to buy something for sort of less than it's worth, and then over the course of time it matures and it's worth more. And it's a gr- it's a great lesson for kids. It also if you give ca- if you give kids cash, they're going to go and spend it. If you give them a bond, they have to hold it. Yes, because it's either worth the face value, or it's worth what it is at, at maturity. So if you bought a twenty five or a, a twenty five dollar savings bond in thirty years, it's worth fifty, but in twenty nine years, it's still worth twenty five. Or something I know. like that. Like, you know? Really, like astonishing, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, anything else on the top economic indicators you want to touch on? Because I also want to ask you about the economic implications of the coronavirus. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. Let, uh, let's <laughs> let's <laughs> let's go to the coronavirus. Uh, okay. China is shut down. I know it's crazy. China I mean, I, is shut a, down. And it's a big economy. Let's remind ourselves, like, isn't it the second biggest economy in the world? Second it's only to second us. Second or third, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Who, maybe India would be in there, too. India's got a big economy. but um, And Europe as is, is a, is a set. But um, there's probably about a 60 to 90, maybe 120-day lag on this stuff, right, mm. of, of China being able to uh, manufacture and get the goods on a boat get the boat from, you know, them over to us on the West Coast and then get it shipped internally within America. Any, anywhere between a 60 and 120-day lag. At some point, we're going to start feeling it. So for those companies that source out of, out of Asia or source out of China, and then they, they have the manufacturing going on over there, and then it's coming over here, and we sell it over here, or maybe we actually sell it back to China, um, uh, this is going to start hitting those companies pretty soon, 
and they're going to lack a they're going to be scurrying to find other places uh, to do manufacturing and it's going to be a difficult time for those companies and we're going to see their profits lag and that affects everybody i mean right the economy is now so globally interconnected that what happens in China in terms of uh, massive numbers of people literally not going to work, factories being shut down, it doesn't just affect, you know, the amount of tinsel we're going to have to put on our Christmas trees. It affects the economy here in the United States because we are intimately connected with, with economies around the world. Yes. The mm-hmm. part that scares that scares me, the part that concerns me the most will be China's ability to buy our debt in another year. They are, mm. they are a huge, huge buyer of our debt. They, they are a huge financier of our debt, our federal debt. You know, the, the debt just doesn't get created. Somebody has to own the debt. And, uh, you know, like I said in, in earlier, the, the debt gets sold through treasuries and other instruments. And so, and so if China's economy tanks because of the coronavirus, their ability to come in and buy new treasuries, say, a year from now, two years from now, might be severely limited. And if we get to the point where we're trying to sell debt to finance the parties that we're having uh, in, in, in America today, because we're running out on average between $900 billion and $1.2 trillion of debt every year. Uh, it, we're, we're just we're spending like there's no tomorrow. But if there's nobody there to buy the debt, we're not going to be able to spend, and that's really going to put the brakes on our economy, and that will be a difficult time for everybody. And if America's economy goes uh, starts to tank south, the whole world goes because the whole world is tied to our economy in one way or another. Which reminds me of a conversation that you and I um, had a few weeks ago about um, how we as Christians need to responsibly prepare for a different kind of economic reality than the one we might currently be in. And so we need to we need to be people who are out of personal debt as much as is absolutely possible. Um, And we need to be people who are saving in such a way that we would not only be able to help ourselves, but be able to in turn help our neighbors um, who will in all likelihood be less prepared for a financial uh, recession than we will be. Correct. I totally agree. Yeah. Oh, I, well, that, we should just end there because that sounds like a good place to stop. <laughs> you want to stop now? <laughs> yeah. Hey, Bill, thank you so very much. Let's uh, let's send, send people to BibleAndBusiness.com for more resources on this and other conversations about uh, economics and business and Christians in business and Christians running business, all kinds of good stuff, BibleAndBusiness.com. Bill, thank you so much. You bet. Have a good day. You too. We'll be right back. What inspires or who inspires Dr. Charles Stanley? Well, Dr. Charles Stanley says, I cannot recall the last time I was so absolutely inspired by a presentation. These images are astounding, capturing the stories and parables of the New Testament in wonderfully creative and imaginative ways. Uh, And then he says of my next guest, Michael Belk, he says, you challenge how people think about Jesus. What a powerful way to communicate the gospel and glorify God. Uh, Dr. Charles Stanley was literally moved by the Journeys with the Messiah presentation that my next guest offered at his church. Um, I am I am equally confident you will be moved as well. Next up, Michael Belk, Journeys with the Messiah. God's Word 
has the power to transform our lives and impact our communities. We all, um, we all know that. Um, we all know that the scriptures communicate the truth of the gospel. Um, we all also love to listen to and study under Dr. Tony Evans. So this month, um, we are giving away copies of Dr. Tony Evans' uh, study Bible. And it's got a great reading plan in it. It's got a great, like, sort of sermon notes um, would be one way that I would think about that. And, uh, and we've got them to give away. So we are giving away one copy of the Tony Evans Study Bible each week this month. You can enter to the drawing uh, for one of those at MyFaithRadio.com. We'll be right back. It's a shaky world out there. Could you use some unshakable hope? This is Max Locato. We live in a day of despair. The suicide rate in America has increased 24% since 1999. How did we explain the increase? We've never been more educated. We're saturated with entertainment and recreation, yet more people than ever are orchestrating their own deaths. How could this be? Among the answers must be that people are dying for lack of hope. Secularism reduces the world to a few decades between birth and hearse. Many believe this world is as good as it gets, but people of the promise have an advantage. They are like Abraham, who didn't ask skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong. Because God's promises are unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. This is Max Lucado. see the image of Christ in the mirror? Um, do you feel the presence of Christ um, as you struggle uh, in the world today? Do you um, acknowledge that Christ is carrying the burdens of your life? Um, sometimes it's difficult to see those images unless somebody has provided for us um, a window into that reality. My next guest joining me now, Michael Belk, you can find everything we're talking about today at journeyswiththemessiah.org. Um, and this is a visually rich experience, so I'm really going to encourage you to check out the website, journeyswiththemessiah.org, um, particularly click on the images link. Michael, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, good morning. Thanks. Absolutely. So um, I want to talk about a range of topics with you, um, but I would I, let's just start here. If you'll just tell people your story, because um, your story is important in how we understand how these images are uh, then utilized by God to impact others. Okay, well, the the, the short story is that um, after college, uh, I got involved in the fashion industry, became a fashion photographer. Uh, that turned into being a fashion advertising agency and which we were producing, you know, high-end advertising um, for J. Crew and Nautica and, and many others. And um, I, during that time, I was not a follower of Christ. I, I'd grown up in the church, uh, but I, you know, was living the, the fast life of, of zipping around the world as a fashion photographer. And and uh, my life was a mess. And finally, I crashed and burned. And during that time, I had a visit from the Lord. 
And <laughs> he said, what now? <laughs> you want to keep going your way or would you, would you like to give mine a try? And I said, I don't even know what my way is. Let's try yours. And uh, so we began this journey uh, to know him in unusual ways. In um, uh, 2004, I had opened a gallery in uh, northwest Florida in a resort, and, and I felt like uh, it could be you know, a sanctuary where people could come for a moment of quiet. And then I this idea came in my head. What if all of the images represented, you know, pictures of Christ? And I talked about that for about four years and then sat down with my wife one day as my birthday was approaching. And so what if I die next year and I haven't done this? How am I going to explain this to God after he's, you know, given me the the talent and the resources and the idea? And so we decided we would go do this and uh, uh, ended up uh, creating this whole series of images to help uh, people understand who Jesus Christ really is. And the power of this particular set of images, and again, I'm talking with Michael Belk, you need to go to journeyswiththemessiah.org to see the images we're discussing. Um, the power in this, Michael, is that many of these image in many of these images, Jesus is set in a very contemporary context. Um, and I think that, you know, when people look at these, one of the things that they are captivated by is that Jesus is present right here and right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, he has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He is available. We can lean on him. We can rely on him. Um, what he has done is not just for those people back then in that day. It's for us right here and right now. Uh, yes. You know, in fact, um, a lot of people look at these as, as you do. We actually, we put Jesus in his context. So if you, as you look at the images, you'll notice that Jesus is first century. The setting we're in, which is this wonderful old town called Matera in Italy, is very first century and, and looks much like many people might imagine Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But then we brought our centuries back to him. Mm. Uh, so when you look at the image, it looks old world, but then you notice that there's something out of place. There's a rich young ruler who's driving a modern day Ferrari. And, um, and so that's what we've done. We've taken Jesus in his, uh, in his time, first century, and brought our centuries back to him to, to show the timeless that, that when he was speaking 2000 years ago, he was speaking for us today. And when you hover over the images, you see a word, and um, and then if you click on it, it takes you to, um, you know, what I would just describe as a reflection on this particular um, image and what's happening in it. So talk talk with us about one of them. I don't know. Let's do, um, want to do a step away, heaven and hell, where does God draw the line? Absolutely. Great, Im great image. All right. So, uh, des so describe, the, describe that image for people. You know, it's radio. So now we have to use words to tell people what we're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, like you say, I hope they will go and, and look at these and, and enjoy each one of them. So each of the images, Carmen, began with a message, not with an image. Mm. Okay. There was something that 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 I had learned that I wanted to share with people. I believe that that if people could see Jesus the way I'm seeing him, perhaps they would embrace him uh, and not reject him. And so I I wanted to show them something I had learned. And so that particular image, a step away, 
was to talk about what divides us from God. And people don't understand that that relationship that that God in his holiness and us in our sinfulness are divided. And so in that setting, uh, we had this wonderful old wall and this wonderful old setting in which we separated Jesus on one side of the wall. And on the right side of the wall, we took uh, put uh, modern day people. There were three people who represented a motorcycle gang, tattoos and all of that good stuff. And the other side was a, a very nicely dressed young couple. And the idea was to say, you know, who is good enough to go to heaven and who is, you know, bad enough to go to hell? Because as, as I was, um, you know, becoming a, a, a Christian, you know, people would say, if your God is so loving and kind, why would he let some people go to heaven and some people go to hell? And so I wanted to show that none of us are worthy of, of living with a holy God in our unholy state. And so if you look at the image, you might think, okay, the, the motorcycle gang, you know, they're the bad guys, but they may have just come from a Bible study. And, uh, and the other couple who's nicely dressed and handsome and everything may, may have just lo- uh, robbed their law firm. So, so it's a really interesting uh, image. As you look at it, you can see that Jesus is only a step away, and he's only a step away from any of us. I'm talking with Michael Belk. We'll talk, we're talking about Journeys with the Messiah. You can check it all out at journeyswiththemessiah.org. We're going to take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Michael Belk, we're going to invite you to join us at journeyswiththemessiah.org. We're talking about the portfolio of images that you can find there exploring the modern-day relevance of Jesus. These uh, these photographs are genuinely mesmerizing. And, Michael, uh, it, it, it sounds like there is something else that is uh, forthcoming, um, maybe moving images, maybe not just images that are still, but uh, images where uh, Jesus is actually going to be moving. Tell us about that. Well, yeah. Back when we uh, when we when we shot the images, we shot a lot of behind the scenes footage as well. Um, but uh, during the years since I produced this project, I found that people really enjoy the live presentations where I share the images and the and go more in depth with the stories behind them. But you know, speaking presentations are inefficient because you know small crowds a lot of travel, all of that stuff. So I went back to Italy at the end of 2017, and I filmed uh, me on location of each of the images, telling the story behind the images and expanding them greatly. Uh, These films will average from eight to 16 minutes, and uh, there's 34 of them, one for each of the images, and they go into great depth explaining the message behind the image. Uh, we're going to have those available for people to view with probably in the ne- next couple of months. We're almost finished with them, and they're just great for personal uh, per- personal devotionals and study. Um, but they're also going to be huge for small groups and and uh, Sunday schools and Bible studies uh, because they're just chocked full of information. So you'll watch a watch a short film, and then uh, you'll have tons of stuff to go with it. There'll be a follow-up book coming with it that will 
kind of serve as a study guide. So that's going to be that's just going to be special to have that that anybody in the world can 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 watch the kind of things that I would do in a normal presentation. So the any anybody in the world um, part of this is is at is at your heart. So there's a great commission um, passion in you for uh, for people to know God in Jesus Christ. Talk talk with us about how you have experienced God using these images at journeyswiththemessiah.org um, to touch people around the world. Tell us some of those stories. Well, first of all, um, I, I'm truly of the belief that the whenever God calls us to do projects like this, it's for us first and foremost. You know, God's the master creator, so he doesn't need my images and my words and stuff. He needs me. And so it has been a personal journey for my wife and I uh, all of these years in which he has drawn us into him through, you know, through the talents that he gave me earlier to be able to do this. He has drawn me into him. It's just been special. And that's made my desire to share this with the world even more. So that's why we have all of the images and messages up on our website uh, for free for anybody to listen to. And this film series, uh, all of this, which has cost a fortune to produce, um, is going to be free for anybody in the world, uh, you know, right now in English and later in other languages. Uh, but the people just need to know who who Jesus is. Um there, you know, the church has done a great job in many ways, but in also in, in many ways, it's it's made Jesus very religious. And, and we like to say Jesus didn't come to start a religion. You know, he came to share the truth of his father while leading us back to uh, eternity with him. And I just believe that when when people really, really see Jesus in this light and understand um, who he is, uh, that that there's a much greater chance that they will embrace him in, the, in this context. I've had just a, such incredible testimonials, you know, written to me by email, but also taking phone calls, you know, those times when you say, well, I don't have time to take this phone call, but take the phone call anyway. It turns out to be some little lady in another country calling me in the middle of the night and just having the most incredible conversation about how uh, her faith has been bolstered through seeing Jesus in, in this way. And literally, you know, this, they know that it's not Jesus in the picture. They know it's an actor, but but they feel like they're seeing Jesus because this is a, this is kind of the Jesus that, that we want people, you know, that we imagine as a child of what he might look like. And so people really are drawn into it. And uh, it's been a special thing for my wife and I. So the power of images is uh, is strong, and these are images which will power your imagination so that when you close your eyes, um, what you will see uh, is, is Christ in a way that maybe you have not yet seen him. Uh, the images are available at journeyswiththemessiah.org. Uh, there will be short films forthcoming and a study guide. So go ahead and check it out, journeyswiththemessiah.org. Michael Belk, thank you uh, so much for the gift of the images, but also the gift of your time today here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. All right, friends, we got to take one more quick break, then we'll be right back. So we're going to circle back around um, and have 
have a, a couple of conversations now. One is, what is the state of your union with Christ? There's going to be lots of conversation today about the state of the union. Um, and therein is a conversation about our nation, the United States of America. And we led off today um, considering the state of our institutions and what it looks like for us to re- recommit in significant ways to being people who um, foster the flourishing of our institutions. The most basic of the, those institutions is marriage. And so what is the state, if you're married, what is the state of your union, your marriage union? Um, settle into that conversation today. Settle into that conversation with your spouse. What is the state of your union? Uh, the second institution that uh, to which we need to recommit and which we need to revitalize is the institution of the family. So what is the state of the union in your family? Are there people in your family or a person in your family with whom you are, you know, at odds, you know, in such a significant way that really repentance and forgiveness and healing and reconciliation needs to needs to happen? What's the state of the union of your family? How might Christ be desiring to influence that? And then uh, I think that for those of us uh, as Christians who recognize that the household of God, the church is the household of God, the family of faith, and that our union with Christ is also a union in Christ's body, which is the church, we have to ask the question, what is the state of the union of my local congregation, and what is the state of the union of the body of Christ globally? That's a John 17 question. Uh, and so reread John 17 today if you want to um, reconsider what it might look like to recommit to the kind of unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace Jesus expects of his people in order that by our unified witness we might bear positive public witness to who he is. Jesus is not divided. Jesus is of one mind. Uh, Jesus is of one spirit. He's not duplicitous and he's not divided. And so when we are, when we are divided, um, we do not bear honest, authentic, positive witness to who Christ is. And people in, in the world get very, very confused. So those are some of the state of the union questions and conversations that I invite each of us to have today. It starts with a very personal question. What is the state of my personal union uh, in Jesus Christ? Uh, Am I relying on Christ to bring me into a reconciled relationship with God the Father? What does my union with Christ look like? How am I living that out? And then how is that affecting my, my role and then my responsibility Um, in the other unions of which I am a part. So the marriage union, the union of my family, the union of the church. And then, yes, more broadly, as a citizen who is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, but also deployed in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, what is the state of our union in terms of, of a society, of a body politic? That's a, that's the last of the conversations. Um, but let's, let's, Be sure that each of us spends time today on the first part of the conversation. What's the state of my union with God in Jesus Christ? You can get the podcast of today's episode later today at MyFaithRadio.com or at ReconnectWithCarmen.com. It's always a privilege to gather with you in this time. Um, I count it a blessing. I count it a genuine blessing. Have a great day and God bless.
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.